Okay, so we have finished up our series on the fruit of the spirit uh, after 11 weeks in that series. Although I think you'll find some of those themes echoing throughout uh, our conversation this morning. But we are actually going to focus on the lectionary text for this week and for the next few weeks before we launch into our next sermon conversation series. So we're going to read the text this morning and then ask a couple of very simple questions to hopefully prompt what we are praying will be meaningful uh, conversation uh, on the part of Jules and I, and then of course on your part as well as you continue the conversation and the questions of the people. So Jules, will you get us started this morning by reading our Hebrew scriptures text? Yeah, and I have to confess, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So I'm very excited to get to read it. <laughs> All right. So this is from Exodus 1, uh, chapter, well, it's chapter 1, verses 8 through 21. And it'll be maybe familiar to people. Now, a new king arose over Egypt, and that king did not know Joseph. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we are. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase. And in the event of war, will join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. And therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built supply cities, the Pitham and Ramses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. And the Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites. And they made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. And they were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and you see them on the birthing stool, if it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. All right. And then I'm going to continue by reading the gospel text, and then we'll read the epistle text. Our gospel text for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. And there we read, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to let, 
not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And finally, from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, siblings, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Hear what the Spirit is saying through the scriptures. God. So some interesting texts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of excited based on our, our uh, initial examination and some conversation that we've had ahead of this recording. Um, I want to get into this and let's do it with uh, two questions, Jules. Uh-huh. Um, what's the single, first one, what's the single thing that you'd draw attention to in these texts? What's the, the thing that comes to the forefront for you? And then what's the good news here? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, the first thing is a really small thing. I just, the name Shifra and Pua are the coolest, right? Like they're just fantastic. All-timers. Like women in the Bible don't often get names and these ladies get like the best ones, right? Yeah. Uh, but amazing. really, you know, I was thinking about, like we've talked about faithfulness and fruits of the spirit and what is faithfulness? What does it look like to be somebody who the spirit lives in and is expressed through? And the story, the Exodus story in particular for me is a surprising one because here's these women who have a real uh, sense of their community. I mean, you, you know, people when you help them give birth, right? Like you get to learn everything about these families. And so they're as midwives in it and they go before, get called before the Pharaoh who is not their king, right? Like they don't recognize him as having any power. He does, but like that he's, they're slaves. And he orders them to do a thing that is insanely violent and completely at his discretion and completely against their self-interest. And what they do is they stand silent and they refuse to do what he says, right? They just, it doesn't even say they answer him. They just don't do what he orders them to do. Mm-hmm. They don't follow yeah. an unjust law, right? And um, I love this story so much. The thing that I, I really want people of faith, especially people who are involved in growing as faithful, like as leaders or as, you know, trying to figure out what to do next with their, their you know, next season of Christianity and maturity and all of that is to ask like, what, how do I need to act? Like, is there a place where I need to say no, or I need to like stand and to refuse to submit to this thing? Um, Cause it feels like these women are really revolutionary, right? Yeah. They prevent a massacre. They refuse to participate in injustice and put themselves in danger. Like they're standing in front of the most powerful person. This is like a God. Right. I mean, the Pharaoh is considered a God on earth and yet they refuse. And it's so fascinating to me because I didn't realize it until you read your text out loud from the uh, gospel lesson that Jesus tells Peter um, 
when he, when he tells Peter on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That there's a similar energy of like a very strong, powerful evil and something, a person, a faithful person who will not allow that evil to prevail. Right. And so that like the very center and basis of the church and our identity as the church as stated by Jesus is to prevail against evil and to do so by just standing really firm, like a rock, basically. And I just, I hadn't put that together until I heard those words come out of your mouth, but I feel like that's the center of faithfulness for these stories in some ways, Um, which means that we're always, as Christians, perhaps going to find ourselves in conflict. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm mindful of, I mean, that brings to mind um, when uh, a few of our friends, sat in a circle outside of um, the ICE building down in downtown Portland and in protest of the way that uh, our, our, our kindred in the spirit had been detained um, as immigrants for no other reason yeah. um, than just that they were immigrants. And, and our friends sat there and refused to move and um, thankfully, they were not mistreated by the police, although we have seen plenty of that in the last few weeks. People who are peacefully saying, we won't let this stand, who are mistreated by those in authority. But our friends didn't receive that kind of treatment, but they, they were handcuffed and they were taken and put in jail. And it was, they were standing firm and saying, this type of treatment is not of God. This is not the way of Jesus. And we are not just going to let you treat people this way. And it was a really powerful, powerful thing that that's, these faith leaders did in being willing to put themselves on the line and to be arrested and brought before judges yeah. um, in, in order to say, no, no, we won't allow for this to happen. And, and I, I, at the same time, I think it's important um, that we note that it, that's not everyone's call to do. No, Not everyone is necessarily called to do that, but where are the places, what I hear you saying is, where are the places in your life, in your faith journey, day to day, especially here and now, that you're called to that? Yeah? Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I think this story is so powerful, because these are two supremely normal women right who find themselves in their just ordinary day-to-day work called upon to do something that in the end would absolutely impact the entire nation this small act of being themselves and deciding in fact no i'm not going to follow that order changes the entire future of the hebrew people right mm-hmm. and they prevent huge catastrophe from happening by just refusing to participate in something. And so this idea that we have to like get called into these crazy situations or that, um, you know, doing justice means showing up and being, you know, arrested or whatever, all that is the call for some people, but for some, it's something as small as saying no, or something as small as making a different decision. I, you know, a different story from this week, Um, that's related to the one that you told from a few years ago, there were two families in Bend this week where um, the head of the household was going to be deported by ICE. 
And, um, you know, one night we started getting texts, a group of us that, Hey, they're taking people, they're taking people. And out of nowhere, a thousand people stood around these two deportation buses came from out of the woodwork in Bend. A thousand people showed up in the course of just an hour or so. And over the course of the next 10 hours prevented those buses from leaving and disappearing those people that were being taken. Mm. And so the, unfortunately those two people were taken anyway um, because of the use of tear gas and some other munitions by the, by the ICE uh, staff, but that, that dispersed the crowd. But for 10 hours, people simply stood in front of a bus and said, no, you aren't gonna take my neighbor from me. And I find things like that, not everyone can do that, but even that small act of showing up and like standing and refusing to move is a huge impact on the world. And that's the kind of thing these women were doing, right? And it's the kind of thing I think that, you know, when we, when we think about faithfulness, we often get kind of abstract about it, but it doesn't come from us. It's like, it's something that comes from the outside. You talk about this really, really well, that we can't do, um, well, well, what's the text, right? I can do um, all things through God. Thanks through, yeah. through Christ who strengthens me. Exactly. Philippians 4.13. Um, oh, you did it. And, uh, <laughs> but, but when we talk about this story, and I think Peter's story too, because he was a real mess up. He was not strong in and of himself. The only way oh, we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about well, him. Like, let's do that. So what, I mean, cause the good news for me in this story, you asked that is I don't actually need to be the one to generate the power to stand firm. Mm. It doesn't come yeah. inside me. It comes from the spirit. And so when the time is right to say no, to stand, to be silent, to speak, whatever it is that I'm called to do, like these women did, I can trust that, uh, much like Paul was given the words from the spirit and trusted that that would happen. Um, the, the spirit will come in and say, yeah, actually this is what you need to do and give you the strength to follow through on it. Yeah. Awesome. What about uh, you? That leads me to, that leads me to right into my, how beautifully you segued into uh, what I want to talk about, which is the thing that, that um, drew my attention from, from all of these texts is the the fact that um, faith and uh, revelation uh, of God from God is a gift. Mm. Like we don't have to to stir within ourselves somehow um, uh, this faith in God. This uh, God gives it as gift, and we see that in the the gospel text where uh, Peter has this amazing confession. Jesus asks the disciples and says, but who do you think I am? I, I hear what you're saying, who everybody else says, but, but what about you? And, and one of the um, commentators I, I was reading this week says that, that chances are G, uh, Peter is answering for the disciples. Like this is what we've concluded is the answer is that you are, you are the Christ. You are, the, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And the first thing Jesus says, and I almost wonder if it's Jesus' way of sort of checking Peter a little bit, is like saying, wow, you are blessed. And also, um, this did come from you. <laughs> this is a revelation from God. 
You are blessed because God has revealed that this is true in you. And because God's initiative to reveal this to you, to stoke this kind of faithfulness within you, because of that, I'm going to build the entire church on you and your work on this rock. And I'm going to hand you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so he receives this revelation from God. He receives this faith, if you will. And I, going back to Shifra and Pua, oh, awesome names. Uh, they have received this faith also via their tradition, via their very identity. They've received this notion of fear of God, which we, we also know to mean faithfulness. I mean, God-fearing people, that's a colloquialism for, for faithful people. Right. right. It doesn't mean they're literally afraid. It, it means that they, they have an understanding or they are at least seeking an understanding of, of the way and the will of God. And they recognize that killing babies ain't it. That's not what we do. And so they stand strong and resist that. And and Peter has this revelation of who, of who Jesus is. Now, the good news of it is a, it's kind of a weird way to get to it for me. But the good news is, um, is that this faith and this revelation is fleeting. And I know that sounds weird. Why? How is that good news? How's it good news that it's fleeting? Well, here's the thing, uh, and we don't get the rest of the gospel text here, and I think that that's really important. So I'm just going to tell you that after this major revelation, um, and, and Jesus says, don't tell anybody that I'm the Messiah, but hey, by the way, I'm going to build a church on you. You're blessed, Peter. You've had this revelation from God. It's a matter of verses later when, when Jesus explains what's going to need to happen in order he's going to be crucified, he's going to be killed. And Peter says, stop saying that. Stop talking like that. Yeah. That's nonsense. And Jesus goes from calling him the rock on which he will build his church to get thee behind me, Satan. Like calls him Satan. Like Peter. And, and so Peter goes from having this revelation and, be, and getting it to totally not getting it. And the good news out of that for me is God is consistent and faithful, though we may not be, though we may uh, miss out on our opportunity to stand up when we should stand up, to do the thing we're supposed to do. It doesn't mean we're done for. Yeah. It, it means we're going to have another opportunity. We read, clearly, we read later on that, but Peter doesn't get called Satan by Jesus and go, oh man, blew it, I'm out. Or Jesus doesn't say, you're Satan, bye, and like, you know, kick him to the curb. It, it's, it's an indication that this gift may be fleeting, but God is always wanting to reveal and give. And even though we may miss it, and I don't know about you, Jules, but I feel like I miss it so All the time. often. Yeah. All the time. But we have such a generous God who wants to reveal God's self and wants to uh, increase our faith by being present with us. And to me, that's, that's good news. Um, it, it does mean that there's a call for us, though, that there's, um, there's a need for us 
to center ourselves in God regularly, to be seeking God, and also seeking God by acting. Yeah. You know, there's action and contemplation. We always seem to get back to action and contemplation. Yeah, but, but it's not but the reason that works. Yeah. Exactly. You, we, we're not doing strictly navel-gazing right? But we're also not always out in the streets. There's this beautiful balance and combination of both that are essential for uh, the life of faith. And I, I, um, that's what I see in like so clearly revealed in this and why, and why I look at these texts and I'm like, okay, w- then what do I need to do? What do I want to do? Because I, I, I may have blown it. I may have lost the script. I, all of those things but if I trust and know and remember that God is always seeking to give, give us faith and to, to reveal God's self to us, then, okay, let's go. How do we do that? And it sounds like one of the things you're saying is that that's true no matter who you are, right? That the, Peter is a phenomenally normal human being. He's, he ends up being the rock on which the church is built. And it's yeah. like, his nickname is like little rock first, like baby rock, like, pe- Oh, pebble. Right. Yeah. He's just like a normal dude with a small life. And then all of, and then Jesus says this other thing and gives him what you're talking about, which is this consistent, generous, um, abundant faithfulness, you know, that really does grow in his life when he experiences the sacrificial nature of the path. Yeah. And then he becomes this new thing. And, you know, these women become heroes and are enshrined in Exodus as like a foundational text because of something they didn't do. A normal woman doing nothing is actually like a heroic movement. Isn't that interesting? These are all just like, not a single one of us has a reason to think that we're exempted from being called. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And so if we sit at home and we think, well, but who am I? All you have to do is be like, well, I'm, for, for good or ill, I'm Peter, I'm Shifra, I'm Pua. Like, those are the mm-hmm. kinds of people we are. Um, and and look, what, yeah. well, look what they did. Look what they were able to do because they were listening. Because they were listening. Yeah. And, wow. and both also in, in, I would point out too, that these are, uh, these are times of trial. They're times of stress. Um, uh, clearly, they're time, times of, of horror in the case of, of Shifra and Pua, but also there's a reason Jesus says, don't tell people I'm the Messiah. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's not a safe place to do that. Um, and it's gonna become even less safe, right? So I think that that's, pointing that out as well, I, at least for me is helpful that um, even in the middle of all that we may be experiencing in our current world. And there's plenty of that. And we feel like we, we don't even need to list it because we, we list it every week. Right. We know um, we're still called and invited into this life of, of faith, which is action and contemplation and um, centering ourselves on God and acting in the world. Uh, and that's why I wanted to include the Romans text because of that, because it, it, encapsulates both by saying present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship and also don't be conformed to this world be transformed by 
the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God. Yes. What is good, what is acceptable and perfect. It's that piece of renewing your mind and then putting your body on the line. I think both of those things are encapsulated there and are, are the means by which, the way in which we continue to pursue. No, that's not the word I want to use. We can continue to actively receive the gift that God constantly wants to give. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we move into the questions, I'm thinking about bodily sacrifice and what that might mean for people. And that just for clarity, for some of us, that means sharing our resources to the point of extreme generosity. It doesn't necessarily mean putting your body physically on the line in some way. Right. So there's like, Mm -hmm. there is some, no one again is exempt from being asked to give of themselves to the point of Christ-likeness. And that could look very different for different people or different families, but it is the same question for all of us. How will you reflect and be transformed so that your sacrifice is, um, is faithful? and relevant yeah. to the world that you That's, find yourself in, right? I'm, I'm curious what questions you're asking us this week. What did we end up with? So questions for consideration by those of you who may show up for questions of the people or those of you who just may want to continue to ponder and chew on some of the things that we've been talking about. But the first question is this. Who are, we'll do air quotes here, small people who do big things that transform situations? Who can you think of now who are small, quote, small people who do big things that transform situations? I just had like three of them come into my mind. So hopefully that's right away. Some of you can can think of that. Second question, how do we maintain faithfulness? and stand firm in times of trial? How do we maintain faithfulness and stand firm in, ty- in times of trial? And then finally, the last question, uh, if faithfulness is a gift from God, how do we go about actively receiving that gift? How do we go about actively receiving that gift, particularly in these what we'll call trying times? And I'll give a hint. It might have something to do with what we just read in Romans. So um, so those three questions, who are the small people who do big things that transform situations? How do we maintain faithfulness and stand firm in times of trial? And if faithfulness is a gift from God, how do we go about actively receiving that gift, particularly in these trying times? So we invite you to join the questions of the people time at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday. Also, if you see this sermon posted on Facebook or YouTube, if you want to just insert a comment, continue discussion on these things in that form. Some of you are into those online discussions. We invite you to do that. In in any way, we invite you to continue to consider these things that we've been continuing that we have been considering this morning. All right. All right, Jules, anything else? Anything I don't else? No, so. I think it's time to pray and sing ourselves out. Great. Why don't I pray for us? And if you would be so good as to sing this morning? I can do it.
great. Let's pray. Loving God, we give you thanks that you are just abundantly generous in giving the gift of yourself, in revealing yourself, in giving us the faithfulness that we need via your Holy Spirit, uh, because it is a fruit of that Spirit. And we pray that you would continue to form us into people who are actively pursuing that faithfulness, receiving that revelation from you by centering ourselves in you and acting in faith in ways that you lead us to. God, we thank you that you continue to be active in the world, even a world that right now seems filled with strife, seems overwhelming, scary, painful. We know and trust that you are present and active and that you indeed want to be present and active within, among, and through us, your people, the body of Christ. We give you thanks for all of this and ask you to continue to encourage us and strengthen us to do that which we are called to do, to be who we are called to be. We pray this in Jesus' name and all the holy names of God. Amen. All right. Let's say goodbye to each other by singing a benediction, knowing that uh, when we see one another again and sing this song together, it will be incredibly beautiful to have regathered and been able to bless one another every single week this way from across the, what do we call them? The airwaves now? Is that appropriate? Okay. <laughs> the interwebs. That's, that's radio era talk right there. Aging myself a little bit. Let's sing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious, gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance upon you and give you, give you, give you peace. Stay home at peace. Love and serve the Lord. Love you. Miss you.